This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. Michael and I are very excited to be back on the air. It seems like it's been a while, doesn't it? It feels like that, yeah. But it, I mean, it's we're, we're back on schedule. It's just because we uh, had some trouble over the weekend, I think, that we're a couple of days later than we normally would be. Yeah, yeah. So we are on episode 44. Is that right? 44? That is correct. 44. There we go. 44. Michael's given me the... He's shown me in the, in the camera here what episode we're on because I always forget. So... <laughs> He is our Mr. Planner Man, and he always lets me know what episode we're on. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. That's no problems. All right. So we've got a couple of things we want to talk about today. Um, not a ton of changes going on in the Laravel framework itself. I know for me, I'm kind of, you know, Laracon is like I build up, build up, build up, build up, and then I hit Laracon, and then I kind of like crash for a little bit and just kind of maybe chill out for a little while and then kind of jump back into things. And yeah. so the number of pull requests that I've been going around have, have kind of like decreased a little bit. I think uh, everybody's gearing up for Laracon EU as well, which is actually, is it going on right now? It's going on right now. They just finished their first day, which is a workshop day, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures going around of some folks that were able to be over there. Folks who, some of them were at Laracon US, some of them not. So yeah, it's been cool to just kind of see pictures floating around and stuff. So um, the venue looks super cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, they always do such a great job with their venues. Pictures always turn out amazing and Sean and their team do a great job of putting everything together. So well done, guys. And uh, hopefully everything goes really smoothly and really well. Yeah. So in addition to that, we wanted to talk about, we've got about three or four things here on our list. And we're going to start out with nothing that's really a new feature in Laravel per se, but something that I thought was kind of cool and was a tutorial out on Laravel News this week, which is about handling inbound email in Laravel. So all of us are probably really familiar with the idea of outbound email, right? Like hooking up to a mail service and being able to send out emails. But there's also this flip side of things where wouldn't it be cool if email would actually act as almost like an interface for your application. So if you could have somebody email hello at myapp.com and it would be able to handle those sorts of things as a request almost. So that's kind of the idea around this tutorial. And actually I've used services, a couple of different services where I've had the opportunity to do something like this, where for one of them, it was a ticketing system and you would just email the ticketing system and you would put like the subject line would be, uh, you know, whatever the title of the ticket would be. And then you could actually put, you could uh, specify almost different like tags in there by like using like a hash. So you should say like, or a pound symbol, like it's like pound assigned to, and then the name of somebody who's in the system or pound add time and then put that in. Oh, so this is the idea around that. Michael, did you get a chance to read this uh, article? I haven't read it in detail. I did skim through it and uh, it got me pretty excited with where I'm now working. And we've kind of got a separate ticketing system that doesn't tie into our CRM in any way, shape or form. So the prospect of as as bad as it is rolling my own ticketing system, at least a light way to interact between those two had me pretty excited. So keen to to dig into it and give it a crack at some stage in the next week or two when things quiet down a little. 
Yeah. So there are a lot of different like services out there. I think that will allow you to do this. I've recently had the chance to look into a couple of them, but there's a service that a lot of us are already using that we're familiar with, which is Mailgun. And apparently it already has inbound routing set up. So it will essentially take an inbound email and it will do the conversion to a JSON format and then send you that payload, which is pretty cool. So it'll include attachments, the signature, the email body, all that stuff. Uh, and it allows you to kind of pipe those emails through these sets of various rules and then deliver them to your application. So I won't go through the whole tutorial here on the air, but walks through creating a project, how you set up the webhook routes, and then how you set up Mailgun. And uh, then, you know, running the webhook is also something that can be a little bit tricky if you've ever had to deal with webhooks before. Uh, you know that if you're running in a local development environment, trying to provide a webhook to a service that can hit on your computer locally can always be a trick. So one nice thing that Laravel Valet offers you is the opportunity to run a local site using ngrok, which will create a accessible URL to anything that you want to, you know, it's a URL that you can expose to the world and it can get to your local installation. So you can use this ngrok URL with these webhooks and this tutorial goes through how you go about setting that up and then uh, testing your implementation. So it's pretty cool. It's a really good tutorial Paul Redman put out there. Paul Redman's been doing a lot of writing for us on Laravel News. Uh, lately. So thank you very much, Paul, for putting that out. And uh, I would definitely suggest giving a look at this. And I'm sure you'll find some interesting uh, areas that you could implement this in your application. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you've ever been in the game of having to parse email mime content, it's something that you'll be forever thankful to Mailgun and anyone else that you look at for for handling that on, on your behalf, because it, it is a dark art. So... This, is, this certainly makes things much easier than they were, you know, five, six years ago when I had to do it at my previous ISP job. So Yeah, I actually have to. So I love this article, but unfortunately, I have to experience the pain of, of kind of doing this, some of this stuff manually, actually, because we have a inbox that I can't have living at Mailgun. I need to have a living here. It's an actual inbox. And I have to go through and parse those emails. So I can't just have it deliver a payload to me. It has to live in an inbox. And then I need people to be able to manually mess with those things in like the UI that Outlook provides or whatever. But I also want to automatically parse and deal with the ones that I can deal with. So I'm, I've been using like Outlook's APIs and their graph endpoints and things like that. They call it graph, by the way. It's not GraphQL, but they call Outlook graph or something like that. So yeah, this is really relevant for me because it's been so painful for me to have to do this. So uh, yeah, if there's any way you can avoid that, having to parse an inbox and instead just having an email that's pointed at Mailgun, that would be, it's uh, you'll thank yourself later for sure. Yeah. Okay. We've also got uh, new Laravel string helpers in 5.4 and 5.5 that have kind of been detailed here. We've talked about some of these before. I think there's some new ones. And Mr. Caleb Porzio, the king of string helpers, just couldn't stop himself. He had to put a couple in there. So, uh, Michael, you want to take a couple minutes and just talk about what those are? Nothing like putting you on the spot. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't be a recording if you didn't put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have... Uh, three new ones coming up here. And these are, as as you said, contributed by Caleb, who seems to be the crowned champion of getting the string help was pulled into the framework. So the first one that we've got here is the string start helper, which basically just allows you to make sure that a given string begins with one and only instance of the value. So it allows you to basically take where you would use maybe a, a right trim or a left trim 
before. And for example, it's really helpful when you're using paths. So you avoid having two slashes between an a URL and a path that you're passing into that function. So that simplifies that process for you. We've also got the string before helper um, was actually released into the framework last month and is the inverse of the string after helper. So if you wanted to get the first part of an email address, for example, you could basically pass this, the email address and then the at symbol. And it, it acts as a way to simplify the process of using explode. So where explode, you would have to then pass that out into an array using the list syntax and then grabbing that first value. Uh, string before encapsulates that all in a nice little function that you can call um, and you know it's more readable and it's you know less lines of code so likewise string after is the inverse of that so it would give you the part of the string after the at symbol yeah so you basically pass a delimiter to both of those string before and string after and it just will return the values before that or after that delimiter once it finds it in your string i'm still not understanding what the string start helper is to be honest yeah so if you were to pass path into string start and it had the leading slash uh-huh it would take that off and just replace it with one slash yeah what this helper would do would make sure that there's only one slash where if you pass it the slash it'll make sure there's only one there so it's similar to wordpress has a fun- function called trailing slash it right okay which basically makes sure that there is one and only slash there and then you don't have to worry about whether someone passed in the leading slash or not interesting yeah i've i've had to do that a lot of times before too this is actually yeah this is really good i'm gonna have to backport this to a couple of my other applications and this is really like kind of like one of the only things i can see that i would use this for is like paths so this idea of like in my env did i set that trailing slash or did i not set that trailing slash uh i'm not sure now, instead of having to worry about that and, oh, did the person who last updated the ENV, did they put the slash or did they not? And is it going to break everything? Mm. So now you can just say string start and it should start with a slash and then you tell it the rest of the path and it will normalize that. Yeah, not even remembering that, but even just going between like your development and your production environments is one less thing to worry about. Yeah. You know, you don't have to open the ENV file between the two environments and make sure that you've you've put it in there in the same format. As long as you're using something like this helper, it takes that sort of decision away and makes it simple to just get on with things that matter. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to have to think about how I want to use this. Hmm. I might just have like, I might just make like a path helper where I'm like, Hey, make sure that if I like, I'm going to pass in any of these pieces, I'll just make a path helper that says like, here's the three things that I want to like concatenate together. Right. Cause that's usually what it is. I have like this base URL and then I have like a directory and then yeah. I might have like a file or something like that. And I'll be like, okay, these are the three pieces I want to concat. And then I just will mm-hmm. essentially it'll be like a collection, like collect the three, do string start on all of them or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. That's, that's helpful. And that will be in five, four. Five, Let's four. see, five, four. And all, all these are in five, four. Helper will be, uh, no, the string before is in five, five, it says. And yeah, I thought that was in 5.4. Oh, well, in any case, they're coming or they're here. One of the two. So check them out. Yeah. There we go. Or by the time you hear this podcast, they could well be here. They could well be here. That's correct. 
Okay, we also have a sponsor this week that we wanted to take a couple minutes to talk about. Thank you, Manifold, for sponsoring the show. So take the do-it-yourself out of your infrastructures. Spend less time configuring so you can have more time building. Manifold is the best way to add logging, monitoring, databases, and more to your Laravel app. Essential services for your applications that matter, made by developers that care, all clouds. Welcome. We actually got a $25 coupon for everyone if they would like to try the service out. The coupon code is Laravel Sept, as in September. So L-A-R-A-V-E-L-S-E-P-T. You can visit manifold.co to redeem your coupon before the end of September. There's also some stuff floating around in the community and on Twitter about Laravel Bash aliases. Did you see this going on? I did. Different people contributing all of their different pieces and on you know aliases they've got configured in there terminals to basically simplify any of those commands that they would run many times a day so instead of you know typing git add someone might have an alias that's ga or muhammad saeed has got a really good one which jeffrey way also has called na which does a reset hard and basically cleans up your working directory and um, muhammad has essentially the same exact alias except he's called his dracaris what's that dracaris which is an which has got a nice game of thrones theme behind it okay there you go you game of thrones fans <laughs> okay so let's take just a quick minute here to explain what an alias is all right so on your command line you have all of the things that you can normally do uh which would be like ls right or you can do like which will list out all the files in the directory that you're in, or you'd have like ls dash a, I think, for list out uh, all of them, like including hidden ones that have that start with like a period or something, right? If you do like ls dash s, I think it's like short, right? Like list them out like short, so you just see the names and not the permissions and all those things, right? So for if you found that you were on a very regular basis typing ls dash a. Uh, you could instead just say, hey, you know what? I want to make myself an alias so that when I type LA, it will list all of the files out and it will include those with a dot. So the way that you typically do this is when you're, and I'm probably going to get some of these things wrong, how I'm saying them, but you'll get the general idea. Uh, when you start up like your console, it will run one of a couple different files. I think you have like a dot bash RC file. And that will typically run. And what you can do is you can, in that bash RC file, you can assign some aliases. And so this article that's on Laravel News will kind of explain exactly how to do that. Uh, but basically all you do is you type alias and then a space and then the name of the alias that you want to create. So in this example, it would be LA. And you type equals and then in quotes, you put the actual command that you want to run. So LS dash A and you save that, restart your terminal or or if you're a more advanced person, I guess you would say like source.bashrc and that will reload that bashrc file. And then you now have LA available as a command. So it's like a little custom command for you that you've created. Now, in addition to aliases, you can also have functions. With functions can take like arguments and can like if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to pass like a parameter to something. So if I wanted to say LA and then a space and then some sort of parameter, uh, you can do that with functions. So on this kind of post out here, there are both aliases and functions. And uh, for example, I have one where I say like GNB, which I is representing get new branch, and then I can pass the name of a, a branch. So they say like GNB, and then I say like new feature or something, whatever it is, right? And what that'll do is it does like 
get branch dash B, I think, and then, you know, it takes the current state of whatever branch I'm in and makes a new branch out of it. So it's a faster way to do it, but you need to be able to have that alias or whatever that function you want to call it, accept an argument, which is the mm. name of the new branch that I want to make. So it's an important distinction between an alias and a function. And then once you've got a number of these, what you'll a lot of times want to do is you'll want to kind of break that out into a .bash aliases file, and then you can load that in your bash RC. So there's all sorts of stuff around this. If you're new to the command line and you haven't really dealt with this much, this might be a good little intro tutorial for you that you can find on Laravel News. There's all sorts of stuff here and kind of the, the area around this that people use to kind of reference this is your dot .files, right? So I actually have a um, repo out there of all of my dot .files and you can kind of look at that and take a take a gander at what it is that I have set up for different aliases and different functions and things like that. Michael, do you have any dot .files out there? Yeah, mine are not public because I, for better or worse, put all of my uh, public keys in there and things like that. But I certainly can share some of the aliases that I'm using. They're not in this post, but I'll attach them in a gist, I think. So I certainly use a number of them. It's just about being more efficient and getting more things done with less keystrokes, I guess. And there's a bit of overhead with the aliases. You know, you have to remember what they are. And a lot of the time you might forget. I did see somewhere recently that there was a utility that will actually prompt you if you were to type out the actual command and you had an alias defined for it. Mm, that's or something interesting. Similar where it would say that you've got an alias for this. Maybe you should use that next time. So yeah, that was one thing that to consider. The other is that if you're jumping between servers that you don't necessarily control or if you're jumping to a server that you have a single login for, your aliases may not be there. And so if you become reliant on those aliases, that will, you know, it'll slow you down, but it's not not the end of the world. So weigh up whether that is going to be a problem in your particular use case. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, in my like public dot files, what I typically have is like on my computer, I'll have like a private aliases function or a private function, sorry, private aliases uh, file or a private functions file, and I will just get ignore those. So the vast majority of mine are loaded in, but I also kind of load those private ones in if they're available. So I can kind of separate ones I want to keep secret from ones that I want to actually have out there, just as an example. And you can find tons of dot files. Uh, lots of people have dot files out there. So you can uh, search like Paul Irish has a ton of, you know, has like a really good starting point for dot files. It's kind of like starting with a dot vim RC that is not, not vim RC. Is it vim RC? Yeah. Okay. So dot vim RC, right? Like there's a little bit of warning from people saying, Hey, like don't just go pop copy and paste a vim RC. Cause it's going to be like a little bit overwhelming. So that might be the case too, with like dot files. Don't, don't go too crazy. Like just copy and paste somebody's in there. Cause you kind of got to make it your own, right? You got to make a, you got to figure out what these aliases are yeah. for you. Uh, but you might yeah, use if you copy a hundred of them in there, you're not going to use ever. Them. You're You'll not going to remember them. them. You know, you you need to build them up as you find yourself. You know, you're always typing git status, git status. Well, then you can alias git status to gs. That's mine. Yeah. As you said, you know, creating new branches. I've got one that's you know gb, which is a shortcut for git checkout dash b. That's what mine was. The yeah. Name of the branch. So I couldn't remember what the actual command was. See, I'm an idiot. That's <laughs> that's the that's the. <laughs> The bad thing is like if you use them too much, then you forget what the actual command was. I said get yeah. branch instead of get checkout. Yeah, it's get checkout dash B and not get branch dash B. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's uh, it's good though. And there's you know in here there's a lot of uh, good ones that people submitted. So if you can take a look at those and kind of set those up for yourself and get started on that. It's fun. Yeah. A little, little bit of customization. Get started. Yeah. Uh, 
Also of note here, all Laracon 2017 talks are now out there. So is this only for people who purchased a Laracon US ticket? Is this for everybody? No. So the people that purchased the the streaming tickets had early access Got to them. It. So those videos were available both live and then shortly after the conference days ended. So these are now the public release of those videos. So there is a link up to that on Laravel News. I've also got a blog post that I put together, which has got not only the videos, but also links to all of the speakers and all of the slide decks that I was able to come by. Jeffrey Way, if you're listening to this, can you please, please, please send me your slide deck? <laughs> come on, Jeffrey. Come on. Uh, by the way, I will say that has been an excellent resource. I've actually looked back at your live tweet like uh, moments a couple times for notes. I was like, oh, yeah. I know he tweeted something about that. So uh, I know the community is giving you a collective clap right now for live tweeting Laracon US. Thank you for doing that. That was really, that was really uh, impressive to watch. I think That's your keyboard I... started like smoking at one point. It was just like, yeah. you know, almost went up in flames. <laughs> you were typing so fast there. That's why I had to get it. That's why I had to get a new MacBook after that. Yep. <laughs> Good but excuse. The, the, only, the only thing that troubled me about that was that I couldn't step out into the science fair to see your talk, which I still haven't seen yet. I was waiting for Jordan to send me the video, but he never responded to me. Oh, yeah. He'll... He'll get it. He'll get it to you. He'll have to get it to you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was my first like experience of giving like a like I've never even had like a meetup talk or whatever. So it was fun. There was maybe like 20, 30 people in there, something like that. Talked about nice. a little SaaS app that I'm working on. So yeah, it's fun. Okay, what else have we got this week? Uh, we're almost done. I think this might going to be like one of the shortest episodes we've ever recorded. Let's see. Do we have anything yeah, else? There here? is. There is one thing that I wanted to talk about, sure. and that is this new pull request that. Uh, I I came across, and it's just called API resources. the The description of this from Taylor is that it is a simple way to transform models into JSON, and I suspect that we're going to hear a little bit more about it from Taylor this week, uh, given that it'll go into five point five, and five point five is right around the corner. But from what I can tell from the changes and from some examples that I've seen floating around from TJ Miller, which we will link both up in the show notes is that this is a very lightweight wrapper for your for your models so that you can return them as resources directly from your controller methods. So where you might have used something previously like Fractal to transform a model into a JSON response, we'll now have this first-party API resource functionality right in Laravel Core in version 5.5. So... Uh, I won't try and butcher the explanation of this like we did with the <laughs> responsible interfaces last time, but I will definitely link up both the pull request and TJ's example in the show notes for you to check out. And as I said, I expect we'll hear more about it very soon. So keep an ear out for that from Laracon, I think. Well, this is pretty cool too, because it, it reminds me almost of like form request objects, how form request object essentially extends a request and then gives you a couple of new things that you can kind of put on there. So a lot of times you throw your validation and stuff in there, right? With a form request, it automatically gets, mm -hmm. the validation automatically gets triggered. And that's kind of what this reminds me of because you extend a resource. So you create a new resource, like I have a device model and I'm going to create a device resource. And then the only method it has on it is to array. And so you can just return in that to array, the actual array values they want to return from that model. So it makes it really simple. And then you can just return device resource and that's pretty much it. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Nice, cool. nice work, folks. Nice work. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode 44. 
Hopefully, Michael puts some amazing stuff at the end of this episode. Listen all the way to the end. It's going to be funny, hopefully, and not embarrassing, but probably a little. So if you like the show, please feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be very much appreciated. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 44. Or if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Michael or myself on Twitter or at Laravel News. And don't forget to check out our wonderful, wonderful sponsor, Manifold at manifold.co and grab your $25 coupon code, Laravel Sept. Manifold.co. Thank you, Manifold.co. <laughs> you can use that. I will let you use that. Manifold beta. Manifold.co. I know you're going to use this against me. You always do. You're going to take a picture of me with a mullet. And you're going to put it on Twitter with me singing about Manifold.co. It's going to be pretty epic. Uh... What I am definitely going to do is put I know much you of will. this at the end of the episode. <laughs> All right, your turn. Should we sing a duet? Let's go for it. Here we go. Ready? No, just kidding. No. Okay. All right. Manifold. <laughs> me, 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 me. Ma, 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 ma. Manifold. Thank you, Manifold. All right. Uh, All right, brilliant. man. I think that's it.